Hey friend, what would it be like to have someone to walk with you on your journey to body image freedom? Well, that's what I offer through my coaching services. If you've ever thought it'd be great to have someone to talk to, encourage you, someone to bounce things off of as it pertains to your struggle in this arena, I'm there for you. Just go to the comparetohu.me site, look for the coaching tab, and you can find out all about your options. I do group coaching and personal coaching. So check it out. I'm taking new clients this month, and I'd love to work with you. By the way, you're going to love today's episode. Having a perfect body is not the solution to marital bliss and matrimony and peace. So that's for the husband and the wife. So the husband is not looking for, he might think he's looking for the perfect body, but he's not because that's not what's going to satisfy him. And on the opposite side of the coin, uh, the wife might think, oh, if I look this way, if I do this thing, then I will be satisfying to my husband. And that's not true. It's not true at all Um, because that's not what satisfies our hearts and our souls. What satisfies us is Jesus Christ and his righteousness and his transforming power. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God in his grace showed me a way out and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the forthcoming book The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Who podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I'm really glad that you're watching or listening today. Today's guests look a little different than my traditional guests. Today, I am welcoming <laughs> two authors. They are pastors together at the same church, and they are co-authors of some great books I'm going to tell you about in just a second, but they are Spencer Harmon and Sean Perrone. Welcome, guys. Let me tell everyone a little bit about you. So Spencer, Spencer hails from Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was in Cincinnati where he was saved and called into pastoral ministry. He and his wife, Taylor, met in Louisville, Kentucky, when they were attending Boyce College. In Louisville, he served several years in college ministry, and then he moved down to Jacksonville, Florida, which is where he is now, and he served as the senior pastor at Vine Street Baptist Church. He's currently completing his Master's of Divinity degree from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's thrilled to serve as First Baptist Nocatees campus pastor. He and his wife, Taylor, live in St. John's, Florida, and they have three children, a five-year-old a four-year-old and a one-year-old, which I can relate to Spencer. I was there at one point. Okay. And then Sean, let me tell you guys a little bit about Sean. Sean Perrone has an MDiv from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's a PhD student at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's the associate pastor at First Baptist Jacksonville. He was the former director of operations at the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and he is a certified biblical counselor. He is the co-author 
with Spencer of these books I'm going to tell you about. Here's one of them, Letters to a Romantic. But he's also married to Jennifer, and they have a son named Chandler, and they've got a baby on the way. And Sean, when's the baby due? Uh, this month, any uh, any day, actually. Any day now. That's super exciting. Well, guys, welcome to the Compared to Who show. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks. So I have to tell you a little backstory. I knew this was marriage month and I had last week's episode was um, marriage in the middle. And I knew I needed something for my younger listeners, something more about dating, marriage in the early years. So I invited a couple on for an interview about the early years of marriage. And y'all, they sat there and they told me that marriage was just like living with your best friend 24 seven and it was sunshine and rainbows and it was just wonderful. And, and we finished and I said, you know, I love you guys. I am for marriage. I love marriage. And I love that you guys are having such a great experience in marriage, but I can't use this <laughs> because <laughs> it's not that easy for most people. And, and they were very gracious and understanding. Oh. And so what I did was I went on a hunt. I looked for people who had created gospel-centered resources on marriage, because I really, I believe that the Bible promises something for married people, and that's that mm -hmm. it's going to be hard, right? And so I wanted some people that I could get real with and have a real discussion about early marriage, about the challenges. And again, not that I want to focus on the bad, because I am a mm -hmm. big proponent of marriage, love marriage. Everyone should get married unless you're called to be single. <laughs> like, yeah, yep. like I'm, I'm pro-marriage, but I'm right. also pro-authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I think we we need to have conversations around the struggle because what happens too often, and actually yesterday I experienced this, where one woman shared something about their marriage and she felt very shameful. Like she was the only yeah. one. And I was like, no, listen, lady, like everyone, everyone has that. So my thought and hope is for our conversation today that we're going to be able to get real about marriage, especially some of those nuances of the early years of marriage. And I've been married mm -hmm. for going on 16 years now. So not early marriage anymore, mm -hmm. but I'd love, I'd love to, to go there with you guys. And, and what drew me to finding you was the title of your books. It's a series called Letters to a Romantic. You also have one for engaged couples and one for dating couples in this series. Tell me, tell me about this angle, Letters to a Romantic. Where did this come from? What's going on in this series of books? You know, it's funny. We actually start this book by asking the kind of ironic and obvious question, which is what are two guys that haven't been married for a long time doing writing anything about marriage, which <laughs> actually was something that I felt tension about when we first started writing this most recent book on marriage. And um, the, same, the same thing motivated us in this book as the other books. We had just come out of these seasons. So we just came out of the season on dating. We just came out of the season on engagement. And we had just kind of exited the first five years of marriage. And everything was really fresh. You know, the, the, the trials that you experience in the first years of marriage, some of the wisdom issues that you're trying to navigate in the first years, some of the suffering that can happen. I mean, even, I mean, just to be real, I mean, sexual issues in marriage, dealing with in-laws, should we have children? Should we not have children? How should we think about suffering? How should we think about things like entertainment and leisure and all these different practical concerns that come up? And we're having these conversations together just because we're really dear friends. We pastor together and we've known each other for a long time. And we thought, man, we want to talk about these things, not as someone who's a veteran really far down the road, kind of speaking and kind of like a sage-like manner to the younger generation, 
the image we've used here is we're, we're like in the trench with you. We're just like a year or two ahead. We've gone through all these things. We're going to be really real about this stuff that we've experienced in our life. And we want to just share with you some of the really essential tools to navigate this season. One of the things we say regularly is we're not trying to have the whole conversation for you. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to start the conversation. And that actually influences the format of the books. So we very intentionally are writing short chapters because we recognize that we don't have all the experiential and anecdotal wisdom here. What we do have, though, is the scriptures. And so we really believe that the Bible is sufficient to address these areas of our lives and gives an enormous amount of wisdom. And so what we say is we want to write you some short letters to start the conversation and to point you in the trajectory of God's word and just the centrality of the gospel that would help you navigate all of these issues. So that's why we wrote these books. We wrote these books short. We wanted to write them honestly for people who are like, I don't have time to read a book on marriage, or I don't want to read these really long books on marriage. We want to write short, accessible, easy books that can start a conversation and can be used in the context of the local church. And so we, as we were talking about it together, we're like, well, let's just write letters. Let's just write it informally, casually, like a friend, letters for things that people need to be thinking about in these really crucial seasons of life. So that, so that way they can honor God's word as they're navigating these seasons. The letter format also allows us to be provocative. Mm -hmm. So, and and I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean that in the best sense possible to say, Mm -hmm. Hey, when you're writing a letter, you're talking about intimate issues. You're talking about things that are really personal and relevant. And we try to capture that and say, Hey, like these are real problems that people are facing and the Bible has real answers uh, for that. Yeah. I love that. I love the fact that your perspective is fresh because like I said, Mm -hmm. at 16 years, I mean, there's a lot I don't remember. about our first years of marriage, for sure. But I do remember that books were my, to a negative extent, my savior during those first Mm. years of marriage, because Mm. I spent too much time searching books instead of searching scripture. And and unfortunately, I think a lot of the books I found, even though they were Christian books, they weren't necessarily guiding me to scripture, they were sometimes just Mm -hmm. giving me a Christianized version of pop culture. And so what I really appreciate about your books is they are just meaty with with biblical Mm -hmm. truth. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I I think would be super helpful for anyone in that stage. But, um, but you can read them and you just know that you're not alone. And these these struggles that you have, you know, you're not alone. So let's, let's kind of back up before marriage. What do you think the most important characteristics are for someone to look for when they're trying to find a mate? Uh, Yeah. So uh, we have a chapter in this on our, um, in our book on dating. And this is the question people are asking. Mm -hmm. So they want to know, how do I know I'm marrying the right person? How do I know I should be in a relationship? Um, And there are uh, positive things to look for and negative things to look for. Um, Probably if, just for this podcast, we'll talk about the positive things. And I would say four things that you should look for character, what I call harmony. So um, you can call it compatibility, you working uh, with someone, trajectory, and then attraction. So and those four are in the particular order that I put them in for a reason. So uh, the most important without fail is character. And that is uh, fundamentally about your relationship uh, with Jesus Christ and, uh, and God. And so what do you, who are you when no one's around? Who are you in uh, when only God can see you? And then who are you when everyone sees you? Uh, that really matters. And mm-hmm. that is the, um, that's the sun around which all planets orbit. Uh, that is the, uh, that is the focal point of everything that uh, uh, we should be thinking about as it relates to who we're pursuing for marriage. Um, the scripture is full of that. You think of Proverbs 31 uh, for uh, the guys, the equivalent would be 
uh, Psalm 112, you think about Ephesians 5, uh, all those texts that say, hey, who you are, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, who, uh, that's uh, Proverbs starts that way, and Proverbs ends with, uh, beauty is fleeting and charm is deceitful, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So it, the, the Proverbs, the wisest book ever, bookends the fear of the Lord in that. So that's character, harmony, you got to actually you got to enjoy the person you're with. So not a, not like each other. <laughs> yeah, like each other. So not everyone is meant to get married to everyone. So like there's one person said, there's a lid for every pot and you just got to know that that lid fits and that's, you know, you got to spend time together. Uh, and I think there's biblical grounds for that. I, I think the Bible talks about being like-minded and then that leads to the trajectory. You need to be focused on the goals that are united, that unite you. So this means if uh, it's not good, if you want to go overseas and be a missionary, but your spouse says, I don't want to leave anywhere. I want to leave my, I never want to leave my hometown. I want to stay here. Well, you got to work through that. You got to, you can't just say, well, Hey, we're going to get married and figure it out later. You got to figure out that trajectory. And then lastly, but importantly, is attraction. You're not just marrying your best friend uh, so that you can just play checkers every night. You are, uh, <laughs> you're supposed to be attracted to your spouse. There's a, <laughs> there's a real live romantic element that involves um, uh, attraction, physical attraction to one another. And the Bible's full of that, Song of Solomon, et cetera. Uh, so that's a brief overview, but yeah. those are a few things. Oh, I like that. This is before I ever wrote a book, but the one piece of advice on the attraction front because I think that's different and I, I don't want to really go here today in detail, but I think that's different for men than women because mm -hmm. I think for women, like attraction can develop more yes. over time mm -hmm. than, than mm -hmm. maybe for men. And that's yes. probably, there's some stereotypes and I'm going to get some mean note about this at some point, but, but I, I used to tell friends, so I was single until we got married when we were 31, we met at 30. So yeah. Single all through my twenties. Most of my friends are single through their twenties, and so I would always tell them, "You got to give it three dates. If you're not attracted to him on the first date or the second date, that's okay. See if you're attracted to him by date three. Yeah. And I swear to you, I've got a couple of friends that are married that after date one, they're like, "Yeah, I'm just, I don't see it." And then after date three, they're like, oh, "He's so hot, don't you think?" Yeah. And I'm like, mm, "Yeah, sure, whatever." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's biblical too. The attraction can be cultivated. Attraction can grow. Attraction can be immediate. There's all kinds of, of yes. ways there. So that, that's not, that's not abnormal. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you've checked off all the boxes and you get married Woo! <laughs> and everything changes <laughs> a little bit, oh, right. yeah. um, a lot, maybe. Um, so what would you guys both say the number one lesson you learned? in those first, I let, I actually just say the first year of marriage, let's make it real tight. The first year of marriage, what's the number one lesson you learned? I'll say two, two different things. The first thing I would oh, that's say, cheating. That's cheating. okay, I'll say, <laughs> no, I'll, I'm kidding. I'll say one thing or I'll, I'm just going to talk anyways. <laughs> uh, I, I learned in the first year of marriage that marriage, I, I use this phrase in, in our book. It's, it's like an experiment and exposure. That's what I say. So I, I people told me, that marriage is going to expose things about you. Mm -hmm. um, but you just, you can just live through, you have to live through that to experience it yourself. So um, I thought I was godly before I got married. And then I got married and I realized I'm, I'm like not as far along as I thought <laughs> I was because now I have someone living with me who has something to say about my life. Um, and it, it just exposes my heart. So 
I mean, we, we believe that like Jesus teaches us that out of the abundance of our hearts, we live. So my heart is the things that I want, the things that I think about, the things that I desire, the things that I value. And when you have another person living with you all the time, who also has a heart in action that's motivating the way that they live, it exposes the things that you really care about, the expectations that you have for your life that you didn't even know were there before uh, you got married. The story I tell, it's really funny. So this is actually before we got married, Taylor and I were, were like walking around inside of Target and we started registering for our, our, uh, our wedding registry. And we get to the shower curtains and she picks out this like floral shower curtain. And she's like, what do you think of this? I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> and she's like, why? And I was like, I don't know. I just don't. And I just realized in this moment, like, I don't like that. That's a silly example, but that's kind of like this little microcosm of what can happen in marriage is you realize all these things about yourself and you see a lot of your own sin. The other thing that I have experienced in marriage is just the loss of control. You, you don't know what your marriage is going to be like. And and we can talk about this more later, but one of the big things the Lord took Taylor and I through in our first years of marriage was suffering. Uh, we went through a lot of things that we were not expecting to go through. And um, one of the things that, as I reflect on our first five years, um, things are completely different than we thought they were going to be. We have more kids than we thought we were going to have. We live in a different state that we thought we were going to live in. Our situation and our family is different than we thought it was going to be. And so I lost control of my life. There's, there's ways you can respond to that. You can respond to that with trust in the Lord and the Lord teaches you how to trust him and have joy in the middle of changes. Or you can respond sinfully to that and be anxious and scared and fearful and turn against one another. And so those are one of the, those are the I'd say the loss of control, I'm being yeah. exposed. Those are some of the big lessons that the Lord taught me and really grew me. And I, and I do think I'm more like Christ today. There's still a lot of, ways I've got to grow. But uh, I didn't think he was going to grow me in those ways. I'm like praying to be more like Jesus. And that's how the Lord decided he was going to sanctify me. Right. I love that marriage is sanctification. I write in one of my books, but I didn't Mm -hmm. know how selfish I was until I got married. Yes. I I thought I was a very generous person. Just go with the flow. I mean, because if we were going out to dinner or something, it was like, whatever, yeah, whatever you want. And then we got married and I all of a sudden was like, oh man, I want my way all the time. (laughs) So Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity.
Uh, so I had a fascinating experience uh, that I think most people, some people have where uh, as soon as you get engaged, everyone has at least two opinions that they want to tell you uh, about everything. So uh, everything's fair game. People feel very comfortable uh, sharing uh, all manner of their thoughts. Um, and I noticed a theme that kind of accumulated uh, when we were engaged and it would go something like this where someone would say, hey, I know you're excited right now but you just wait until after the honeymoon and then like your life's going to be miserable. And I'd be like, Oh shoot. I got to like, I got to prepare for like, you know, day number eight, like what's going to happen on that. And then like the next person literally like the same day would come up and they'd be like, Hey, you know what? The first month's incredible, but month number two, that's where things like really go south. And then it would be like, Hey, you know what? Uh, one year in, you think, you, you think it's incredible. And then that's when like Satan attacks and like it all gets bad. And then it just, I just realized that every, every month and everyone had a different timeline for when yeah. like the hordes of hell came out and like destroyed your marriage. <laughs> and, and I just realized, okay, so what's going on here. And I think it's a lot of things. I think people have personal experiences that they then want to map onto other people, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. I, I think they're describing, Hey, you need to go into marriage uh, with a robustly biblical idea of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that, and don't be caught off guard when things don't go the way you want it, or when things take a turn or when things mm-hmm. get complicated, or when things don't work, mm-hmm. like don't, don't freak out. Um, instead, calm your heart. Uh, Psalm 131. Uh, don't let your thoughts be occupied with things too great or too marvelous for you, but trust in the Lord. And then look, look to his word as a lamp into mm-hmm. your feet. And so that, I think the big lesson is, the Bible really is full of practical wisdom yes. for marriage. And it's not some scary thing that, oh, there's a problem that now I don't know, like now everything's miserable. Um, that might be, but that doesn't mean it's hopeless. Like right. there's, there's great hope from the light of the word. Right. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like what you just said, Sean, is in kind of direct opposition to what culture is telling everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it stops feeling good, then you know, if it's early yeah. on, you made a mistake. If it's later on, then you've grown apart or you've fallen out yeah. of love or any number of cliches that we hear used. And, and I, I think even for those raised in the church, like it's hard to combat those cultural cliches that we see scrolling on Instagram and hear everywhere. So, yeah. so how do you have a, a right, a biblical perspective on what to expect in marriage without waiting for the shoe to drop, without waiting for <laughs> waiting for all hell to break loose. Like, how would you advise someone in that? How, how do you keep keep your perspective straight? Yeah. Oh my goodness, uh, so much. I'll I'll rattle off a few different things. Uh, there's a whole lot to say here. So, um, Psalm one: uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And then it, and then it goes on. And so, uh, the thing there is, if you want to be a blessed man, if you want to be a blessed husband, if you want to be a blessed wife, if you want to have a blessed marriage, meditating on the law of the Lord day and night is yeah. Uh, the key thing. So yes. meditating, meaning you're, you're, you're reading it, not necessarily for large chunks, but you, you're meditating. You're, you're wanting to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. You're seeking to apply it. So that's thing number one. Uh, thing number two, uh, the Bible over and over again tells us that we are not meant to be live, to live life in isolation. And mm-hmm. that includes uh, as a couple. So we're supposed to be in community and that's really hard right now uh, with COVID. Um, but uh, we are called to have people speak the truth and love to us. 
uh, mm-hmm. to ask for help. And that's one of the things that we really wanted to highlight in yeah. um, our, la- our latest book here is it is normal and good and right to ask for help. Like no matter how scary it is, no matter how, how much dysfunction there is in your relationship, like you need to ask for help. And the Bible expects that. Uh, Hebrews 4, 18, uh, he, uh, Jesus Christ wants us to draw near to the throne of grace so that we, we may receive grace and mercy and help in time of need. And we want to recoil. We want to back up from that. And Jesus wants us to press in into our needs. So that would be two yeah. Do I think, I think too, one, what I would say is you, you should let the message of the gospel shape your expectations for your marriage. So what does the message of the gospel tell us? The message of the gospel tells us that we are sinners, right? So you should go into your marriage expecting the person that you are married to, to sin against you and that you're going to sin against them. If you go into your marriage with that expectation, you're not going to have these insane cultural expectations that are more informed by like Buzzfeed and La La Land and all these other like cultural markers of like, this is what it means to have a successful relationship. But what does the gospel say to us in the middle of our sin? Uh, It says to us that uh, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Romans 5, 8, right? So that means that there is real grace that we can receive from Jesus Christ because of what he did for us on the cross and his death and his resurrection. And if we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus Christ, we'll be saved. Well, the same thing's true when we respond to the sin of our spouse. If, if you have a, a marriage that's marked by biblical confession, to one another of, Hey, um, I just got angry at you because I was being really selfish and I just really wanted my way. And, um, that was wrong. I should have been more patient with you. Would you please forgive me? And then your spouse says, yes, I forgive you. And what that means is I'm not going to hold this over your head anymore. I'm not going to bring this up anymore. And I'm going to work on the way I'm thinking about you. So I don't hold this against you anymore because that's how Jesus has treated me. And that's what fuels my forgiveness of you. And the way I interact with you is not based on how you act towards me. I'm responding to you based off how he has treated me. I'm just saying, if that's the, if you're taking your cues from the gospel, I'm a sinner. Jesus has been really gracious to me. I'm repenting and believing not just one time to begin my Christian life, but every single day, this is what marks our relationship. You're going to have a very otherworldly kind of relationship that's going to look really different from the culture. There will be real joy in your marriage. It won't be fake joy that's based off a plastic face that you put up, but it'll, it'll be like what Genesis 1 talks about with Adam and Eve. They were naked and they were unashamed, right? So, and I think when the gospel is filling out our expectations and our responses to one another, it really actually cultivates a marriage that's different from the world, um, but is marked by the joy and life that Jesus promises to those who walk by faith in him, especially in passages like Psalm 1. Amen. You guys, that's gold. That is gold. Are you tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out compareddohu.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, 
peace, and rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. Sean, I got to go back to the first thing you said. This will tell you what my early years of marriage were like. <laughs> but my husband, my husband became a Christian. He was in the Marine Corps and he became a Christian mm-hmm. while stationed in Kyrgyzstan um, during wow. Operation Enduring Freedom. Became a Christian, was baptized and felt called into the ministry. And so we got married and he was still in the Marine Corps, but he was started taking seminary classes. And I mean, he's just, he was the guy that, because I think he got saved later in life was just on fire and kind of stayed that way. I was raised in a Christian home and I went to Christian schools and I had just gotten lazy. And so every fight we had those early years of marriage, my husband would say, did you read your Bible this morning? Oh, I would get so mad at him. Oh, I'd be like, that doesn't have anything to do with what we are talking about here. But every single time he would say that. And eventually, eventually I grew up and I started reading my Bible every morning. And you know what? It's, it's crazy how fewer fights we had. <laughs> following that. So, so I, I, lo- I love that, that wisdom. And then Spencer, to what you said, just about seeing your spouse as as a sinner and seeing yourself as a sinner and going into marriage mm-hmm. with that realistic expectation. The number one thing that I counsel women about in, in the context of marriage is just reminding them that like, they're not perfect either. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. I feel like women, especially, uh, sorry, ladies, I know, I know you're my audience, but I feel like we get a little self-righteous sometimes and we're, mm-hmm. it's really easy for us to like have a list in our heads of the Jeez. sins of our man and mm-hmm. those sins seem a whole lot heavier than our own sins. But I think having a right view of ourselves as sinners in need of grace and as our men as sinners in need of grace is, is, is really right on, spot on. So, mm-hmm. so thanks, guys. That was, that was good stuff. Okay, so this is the Compare to Who show. So let's talk about comparison. Have you seen comparison harm young marriages? What do you think the effect of like comparing your marriage to other marriages has, especially on the early years in marriage. Oh yeah. Uh, it's completely devastating. Um, or it, it can be, and, and it can, it can start out subtle and then grow and snowball mm-hmm. and, um, and really make an impact. So a, a few ways that it's significant, you can, uh, so you could say, Hey, you know what? Things aren't going uh, the way I thought they would. Um, you know, I wanted, I wanted him to serve me more. I wanted her to serve me more. I wanted our sexual relationship to look like this. I wanted it to be like that. I had different expectations about what it would be to have kids. I, boy, his job is not what I thought it was going to be. It's he's the work hours are not what I anticipated. And then what can happen, uh, what does happen is as soon as those uh, thoughts uh, get in of, Hey, this is not what I expected. You have a choice uh, to, um, either put on righteousness and put off uh, sin, selfishness, or uh, you can give over to what, uh, what everyone in the world wants. And that is for you to look at Instagram, for you to look at Pinterest and Facebook, and you see someone else's life and it looks really, really great. And they don't have the problems that you have, so you think. And, uh, or you, you look over at a family in church and you're like, wow, they seem really happy all the time. And I bet he doesn't work as long as, 
I do, or she does. Um, mm -hmm. And look, their kids are well-behaved and I don't know if they don't have any parenting problems. Um, and then uh, you, um, you lust, you uh, long for what you don't have right. um, and you covet. And, uh, and then you have uh, James four, why are there fights among you? Right. Is it not uh, that you war within your passions and you want and do not have, and you ask for it and you don't receive it because you wanted to spend it on your own self. Um, and then you fight as a couple and you uh, go back and forth. And then uh, what happens is those small things, um, because they're heart issues, they accumulate and they accumulate and they accumulate. And then one other small thing just happens to be the small thing that just breaks it. And then there's a blow up or mm. there's an affair or there is icy coldness, you name it. But, uh, and it's not because that was one small thing that is that small thing that pushed over. That just was the small thing that was accumulating over time one time. So it's a uh, comparison is, uh, is a real, real danger to marriage. Yeah. I think too, you know, at the very bottom of, of comparison is what the Bible would just call discontentment mm -hmm. at the end of the day. It's I'm looking out on the world and I'm looking out on these relationships or I'm looking at this online and what is happening in my heart when I look at those things is I'm saying the life that I have that God has given to me is not what I should have. And really at the, at the bottom of it, if we're just, if we're just thinking about it at the bottom of it, we're just saying like, God, I, I don't, I just don't trust where you've put me right now. Like this is not what's best for me. Uh, one, one of the passages for this is, is Proverbs 3, 5, this like classic passage where it's, we look at our life and we lean on our own understanding. That's what we do. I look at my husband's work schedule. I look at the way she looks, or I look at that guy's wife and the way she acts and how she looks like she is way sweeter to her husband than my wife is. And we say, okay, how should, I'm going to understand that. I'm going to figure that out. And we just do some really simple math, which is you've got a better life than me and I deserve a better life than I have. And my spouse or whatever is getting in the way of me having that. The, 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 route, the route to life and joy in that is not leaning on your own understanding, acknowledging God in all of your ways. So that means really believing what God has revealed about the world and believing what God has revealed about you and your marriage more than you even believe your own emotions or thoughts about things. Um, and really, honestly, I mean, we have to get our noses in the Bible way more than we have our noses in Instagram or other places when we're trying to take our cues from what our lives are supposed to be like. And oftentimes our expectations are, are being formed by the world more than they're being formed by the word. And that leads us into a really discontent place. I mean, I just think about Philippians 4, 13, this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me right before that Paul says, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So Paul says, I know how to have a really miserable life and have joy. And I know how to have a really great life and not become an idolater. Uh, I can do all things through Christ. I'm leaning on Christ for the strength that I need. But comparison, it will it will destroy you. I mean, it will it will corrode your marriage from the inside out. And all of a sudden, you'll be at year 10 of your marriage and there's ice all around your marriage, things are in shambles, and it started in year 3 because you just in your heart just started wanting a little bit more that God hadn't given you. And uh, not responding to that way in the way that his word calls us to. 
Yeah, I love that, you guys. Yeah, I mean, my book, The Burden of Better, is all about comparison, and I do tackle mm. comparison and marriage a little bit from mm. even even from the inside of. I know in the early days when I had little kids at home, probably probably like both of your wives, little kids at home, my husband would get home and I'd be like, compared my day compared to your day, yeah. life <laughs> is not fair. Okay, yeah. Dude, you went out to lunch with someone. Yeah. You got to sit in your office for a couple hours of quiet, you know, and, and I mean, yeah. just so even, even comparing myself to my spouse, I was having a struggle mm-hmm. there, not to mention mm-hmm. looking at Instagram, Facebook, seeing, oh, he got her that for their anniversary. Oh, they went mm-hmm. where to celebrate mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. And so, yeah, it's, yeah. Whew, it's a marriage killer for sure. Yeah. So let me let me take this in a slightly different direction now because we just have a couple minutes left but but let's let's kind of turn a little bit to so another big topic on this show is body image and like i said i haven't had a whole lot of men on this show so you guys are in in the very special position Uh-oh. of giving tread carefully yeah. <laughs> but, but one thing that we said in an earlier episode this month was that men aren't necessarily looking for their wives to look like a magazine cover and mm-hmm. a lot of the women that i work with feel this pressure this internalized pressure they always have to look better and and they feel that that's what their husband expects. Is that what their husband expects? I know you can't speak on behalf of their husband, but, but just by and large, speaking for men, you guys, big platform here. You get to speak for all men. Wow. <laughs> you know, hey, I make the rules today. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll say a couple of things initially, and then I'll let, I'll let Sean jump in here too. Um, one of the things that I talk to guys about on this topic, I even talk to single men about this and men who are preparing for marriage, is um, what what do you find attractive in a woman? Like like let's just talk about it. Like what is, I mean just just be just be real with me. Like what really uh, excites you about your wife? What makes you just like thrilled that you're going to get married? And I mean men have to be honest about that. Men have to be honest about, okay, has my attractions, have they been shaped by the world? Mm-hmm. So I just think of 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Like, do not love the world or the things in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride and possessions. So the desires of the flesh is being controlled by your bodily impulses. The desires of the eyes is wanting all the flashy, nice things. And then the pride of life is when you get all of those things, you say, hey, look at me and look at what I got. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and that's not from the father. It's from the world. And all of that is passing away. So I think men have to have a really biblical understanding of that. And, and we have to be really careful that the, that when we are looking at our wives, that the thing that is really attractive to us is falling into those three categories alone. Man, you should tell your wife that she looks beautiful and you should tell your wife that you're attracted to her physically. But if those are the only things that you're talking about, I mean, you're, you're telling your wife what's important mm-hmm. at the end of the day. You're telling her like the things that really make me speak to you in a positive way is worldly. What I often say to guys is I say, hey, what you need to do is you need to marinate yourself and passages of scripture, like first Peter three and the first seven verses that talk about the thing that we want 
that women are called to cultivate is the inner person of the heart. Well, hey, you're going to make it easier for your wife to cultivate the inner person of the heart when the thing you do is you pull her aside at the end of a long day with the kids and you say, hey, I want you to know how thankful I am for how you're serving our kids. I know that this was a crazy day. I know this is really hard, but man, what you're doing is so precious to the Lord and it's so precious to me and I love that. If you're a single man, you need to meditate in Proverbs 5 and you need to meditate in Proverbs 31. Let that form the what you're attracted to. Proverbs 5 is great because it shows you the forbidden woman and it shows you that like the thing that Hollywood is selling to you right now, it will destroy you. <laughs> and Proverbs 31 will meditate on that until that's the stuff that you're attracted to. And that's the type of husband that you're going to be too, is then when you see your wife washing the feet of the saints in the local church, if you will, as you see your wife serving children, as you see your wife uh, dying to herself every day, as you see your wife cultivating the inner person of her heart by reading the Bible and praying and fellowshipping with other believers, that's going to be attractive to you. Mm -hmm. um, and when we meditate our minds on that, we will be transformed. So those are just a handful of things. I'll, I'll let you speak into that too. So piggybacking off that. So if that's from the guys, if, if you're talking to the mm -hmm. men, uh, the converse is also true. So um, Eve had a perfect body. Adam thought she was beautiful, flawless in every way. And when sin entered her mind in the world and entered Adam's mind, and uh, the world, they had to put on clothes mm -hmm. to cover up their shame. So in, in Genesis 3, Eve is perfect and not ashamed. In Genesis 4, Eve is still, she still has the same body. Her body didn't change between uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4, but something internal had changed. Mm -hmm. And uh, it caused shame, and it caused distance between the couple. And that means that um, having a perfect body is not the solution mm -hmm. to uh, marital bliss and matrimony and peace. And that means uh, that's, that's for the guy and the girl. So that's for the husband and the wife. So the husband is not looking for, he might think he's looking for the perfect body, but he's not because that's not what's going to satisfy him. Right. And on the same, same, on the opposite side of the coin, uh, the wife might think, oh, if I look this way, if I do this thing, then I will be satisfying to my husband. And that's not true. It's not true at all, um, because that's not what satisfies our hearts and our souls. What satisfies us is Jesus Christ and his righteousness and his transforming power. So Genesis, you fast forward, Jesus becomes uh, the clothing that we put on. So uh, the, slaughtered the slaughtered animal that's killed in Genesis 4 uh, pictures Christ who becomes uh, crucified on our behalf, and then we put on his righteousness. And it's then you cultivate the inner person of the heart and that shines forth and it gives full confidence to Proverbs 31. She laughs at the times to come. So my wife is really great about this. She's like, hey, I feel very comfortable with who God made me to be and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to be bold and confident. And there's a boldness that comes with being unashamed. And that is super attractive and super appealing. And that's great. And, and that, that's the goal that Christ can work in us is a boldness that even though we have imperfections, because no one's perfect, we have boldness because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I've spoken on behalf of all men, uh, but... Uh... <laughs> it, was, it was a big bill I, <laughs> I served you there. <laughs> but no, I think that that's really helpful. And I mean, a good reminder, if you're listening, if we know that body image issues are not physical issues, 
issues. There are issues mm-hmm. of the heart and the mind. What are you prioritizing? What are you thinking about? You know, mm-hmm. what, what are you believing, right? What lies are you believing? And it's exhibited over and over again through the, the woman that is the supermodel who is still stuck in yeah. disordered eating and obsessing over her appearance. Yes. And so like, we know that if they haven't solved it, <laughs> like by doing what, you know, what the enemy tells us will solve it, then, then that's not the root. But there is a cure for our shame, right? There is a cure for our guilt and shame. I mean, Jesus, yes. Jesus died for it on the cross to take it away. Amen. So, so I love, I love that reminder to go back to the gospel. Well, guys, I could talk to you for another hour, but you have jobs and, um, and our <laughs> listeners probably do too. <laughs> so, so, so this yep. is Letters to Romantic. This one came out in the fall. Is that right? It just It's pretty recent. Yes. Yep. Just came um, out. First years of marriage. And then Letters to Romantic. That one uh, is on engagement. engagement on engagement. And then you have one on dating as well, right? So all of these are on Amazon and Christian Book and all the places you can get books. Mm-hmm. Do you guys connect with readers anywhere? Is there a place I should direct people to connect with you? Yeah. So a couple of places. Uh, we would love to get any feedback. So if there's questions, if there's one of the because it's a conversational style of letters, uh, we welcome actual letters. Uh, so the best way to do that is through email. Uh, so you can, so we're both employed at First Baptist uh, Jacksonville. So mm-hmm. it's our first name. So Sean P at fbcjacks.com and then Spencer H at fbcjacks.com. And we'd love to hear from you. And we really enjoy hearing questions, thoughts, uh, things you think we got wrong. Uh, we're not opposed uh, to thinking that everything we said is uh, always gold. So we, we want to hear everything we can. I, I love that humility, Sean, but I can tell you there's good stuff in this book. And, oh, good. And I'm sure in the other ones too. So I'm, I'm hopeful that if you know someone who's newly married or about to get married, hey, I think this would be a great gift. Or if you are in that stage of life, I, this, these books are definitely worth checking out. So guys, mm-hmm. thank you so much for your time today and for being on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Heather. We appreciate it. Thanks, Heather. So, and thank you for watching or listening today. I hope something in this episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. And to know that we have that, right? And eternal salvation, because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that, right? Right? Because sometimes I get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment. And while I have to recognize that, that's not it. Continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast.